Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. I'm French. And the I've got a problem with soccer, to be fair. Football. What What I can guarantee to you is that they want to keep everything secret. Alongside my good friend Nigel Rio Coco, Jonathan Johnson, James Bench, we're reviewing match day five. But before we get into it, just want to remind all of you out there there is a promo code UEFA22 for a month free uh, subscription of Paramount Plus. You can also scan the QR code in the top corner there to get one month free. Might as well do it now. We've got the rest of match day five, we've got match day six coming up. So there's a lot of action to look forward to. So please make sure you grab your free one month now. Let's get into it. Let's have a look at the teams who have qualified already through to the knockout stages and the team who sadly have found their way out of the competition already. There's a good look at the graphic right now. Um, obviously, uh, congratulations to Chelsea and Manchester City securing their place going through. Nigel Rio Cooker. You're welcome. Thoughts? You're welcome. Uh, it's what you expect. Come on. Chelsea, Manchester City, two of the big boys of the Premier League, heavy spenders, um, and it's what is expected for those clubs and the money that they've invested in the players that they have to make it at least out of the group stages of the Champions League. Well, Real Madrid are already through, obviously, losing today. But as you can see, JJ, anything uh, pretty special there or surprising outside of maybe Club uh, Brugge? Oh, obviously, I'm delighted to see Brugge there. I know I wax lyrical about how good it is as an away day. Uh, you know, but I think it's great to see representation for a league like Belgium as well to, to be in the, in the knockout phase. But yeah, uh, generally speaking, I think it's sort of the usual suspects at this moment in time. And I think as well, you know, interesting to see a team like Dortmund there when they've been sort of out of form relatively domestically, especially when you consider the way that Bundesliga has gone so far this season. James, anything surprising there? I mean, teams going through already. They changed the lineups a little bit, subbing players out at halftime. A couple of the big dogs already losing games on match day five, Real Madrid, and obviously Manchester City should have won their game. But any surprises for you? Well, I mean, it's not a surprise that they're there, but I think we have to take a step back and acknowledge that Benfica basically had the job done going into this week's games, and then they finished it off in style. I know we're going to come on to talk about that Benfica against Juventus game. We were all saying... I think we were saying Juventus are the big team to watch, the big team that might fall at the first hurdle. But I don't think many people thought that they'd be out of it by this stage and that they were basically out of it last week. 
Benfica have got something really special going on, considering they lost their star striker from last season. You you wouldn't be able to notice the difference. And I think they're a team that could... Uh, I would, I'll put it this way, I wouldn't want to draw them. If I was a group winner, I'd be hoping to avoid Benfica. Well, our usual followers are probably wondering where on earth we are. No, we're not in Nigel's back garden. We are in Brooklyn, destination Brooklyn, where the Paramount Plus team just took place. Kate Abdo and the whole crew was here. Awesome show. They had some great goals and action to really get over. Uh, but now we've got the House of Champions team with us here as well in Brooklyn. Looking forward to the action. James, let's get into it. Nigel, but I want to start with you. Not James. I'm going to go with Benfica Juve with you because Juventus, desperately disappointing today, go down by four goals to three. But as James mentioned right there, Benfica, what a campaign it has been for them. They got the job done in style today. It's been sensational for Benfica. And like James said, it really is great to see. I think that's what we want to see from the Champions League. We want to see a real high level of competitiveness. And there's always this expectation from certain clubs are going to be in the knockout stages and they're going to get through it um, easily. I think it goes to show how competitive the Champions League is. And there's more than one way to win this competition than being the biggest spender. Benfica doing it the right way. They've got a great mix of talent. They've got a great squad, relying on the academy heavily, recruiting the right players through free transfers, good experience of experience and youth, and they're a great team. And let's be real, no one saw Juventus not being able to get out of the group stages. Juventus is one of the big teams historically in this competition, and this is what we want to see. This is what we want to see about the Champions League, the competitiveness. Jonathan touched about Bruges earlier, and I'm sure that's something we'll talk about at a later stage. But Benfica, definitely a side that you want to say could be a dark horse in this tournament. JJ, before we get on to Juve and the disappointment from them in this campaign, but what, what is it that makes Benfica so special? You've been talking about them a lot. Obviously, some of the young goal scorers today, Antonio Silva on the score sheet today, Rafa Silva on the score sheet today. They've got some really dangerous players. I certainly didn't tip them to get out of the group, but they've done it in emphatic fashion. What makes them so special? Why are they so good? I mean, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, I think this season... Uh, you look at the changes that Roger Schmidt has made. <clears throat> He's brought in some very talented players. Uh, you know, there's some big names that have gone out as well. Vertonghen yeah. moving on. Obviously, Darwin Nunez as well leaving for Liverpool. And I think many people expected that they wouldn't be able to repeat last season's deep run uh, in the knockout phase. Uh, just basically because, uh, you know, Nunez had, had left for Liverpool. But then when you look at that conveyor belt of talent that comes out of the youth academy, I think that is one of the keys to success for Benfica. You know, they are a, a talent development giant. Uh, and you look at some of the players that are coming through, how they're cropping up on some of the radars of the top European clubs at this moment in time. Uh, you know, and it's not, no, it's no surprise. And I think Benfica know that they need runs like this in the Champions League, but also to keep churning out that kind of talent. But they are, you know, one of the absolute giants sort of up there with like the likes of Ajax uh, in terms of, you know, producing talent season after season. What is the ceiling then for this Benfica side? I'm really excited. Obviously, I know there's a lot of Juve fans out there interested to hear our comments about Juve today. But what is the ceiling here? Nigel's tapping me. He wants to tell you. It's a higher ceiling than Arsenal, as long as you know it's a higher ceiling than Arsenal. So there we go. Go on, James. What is Arsenal? They're probably not going to win it. <laughs> like Arsenal. <laughs> I, I see no reason why they couldn't, with the right draw and a bit of fearlessness, I don't see why they couldn't get to the semi-finals. That, that, the press that they run is really intimidating. And I think unless you are a, a team of this calibre of a city, a, a city, a Bayern or a Madrid, they will force some mistakes out of you. And actually, I think one thing we've got to say is, without Nunez, they're still cutting edge in that team. Rafa Silva phenomenal tonight i mean and a real a, a real quality finisher off the right flank 
it's it's varied. I think they're a team that could lose some key parts, but still keep going. I think Enzo Fernandez as well. What a wonderful young midfielder yep. he is. He's going to be the next guy to go for big money. Well, Fernandez is the one who came from uh, River, River Plate, Plate, I believe. Uh, yes, I watched him in the Copa Libertadores. Fantastic man. Yeah. That is a steal that they've got there. But that just goes to add to what you're saying, James, in the talent is out there. It yeah. just depends on what clubs are really proactive. They've got a good scouting network and can identify that talent at an earlier, at an earlier stage before the big rivals do. But it's also about convincing them to come to your football club as well, though, Nigel. The majority, of, the, the job, majority of those young players in those regions want to come to Europe. They look at Europe as the holy grail and they want to play in the Champions League. That is what their dream is about. Yeah, why, why Benfica, though? Why would they choose Benfica over, let's say, going to a bigger name or a bigger it's foundation? Not the, okay, why it's Benfica it's not the sense easily? of they're picking Benfica. It's the fact of Benfica, the ones who recognise the talent and ability to get them over there. And also is a bit of culture that plays a part in the sense he's Argentinian, it's probably easier for him to fit into the Portuguese culture than it would be going into the Premier League. But I'm sure they will never turn down an opportunity but, to go and play in the Premier but League. But Benfica have curated this profile of the club as well, a, a club that can be a springboard to some of the biggest leagues in Europe. They, In fact, I think they market themselves like that to the players. And who wouldn't want to play for Benfica? You look at the atmosphere, you get in the stadium, there's so much history there. Uh, you know, it is a big, big club. Okay, it doesn't play in one of the top five recognized leagues in Europe, but it's still a very competitive it's competition and it's a great one when you're adapting to a new style of football in a different continent. Yeah, in great city as well. I'm sure the lads are having a lot of fun. You had to so, throw that in there, didn't you? Great I city. have to throw yes, it in right there. Let's uh, get to the disappointment from uh, Group H and it is absolutely Juventus going down four goals to three today. You did see Weston McKinney on the score sheet today. Um, maybe the only plus for an American uh, fan base out there if you're a Juve fan in particular. Go let's James. look at the big picture for Juventus Football Club. Three points, James. What a desperate, disappointing campaign this has been. And if I'm not mistaken, it's been the first time that they've not made the knockout since 2013-14 season. It's not good enough. It's nowhere near good enough. And I think one of the interesting things is we spend a lot of time on this podcast talking about how the recruitment has let them down, and it has. And I'm not going to go over that. I mean, we were saying beforehand as well, they've gone from Marquisio Vidal, Pirlo and Pogba to... Locatelli, McKenney, and Rabio. I mean, it is a dramatic drop in quality. But actually, and this isn't a shock because these players are getting older, but we were watching that today and the player we keep kept talking about from a Juve perspective was Bellucci. That guy does not look like a Champions League defender anymore. I don't know if we caught him on a real off day. There certainly have been other off, off days in Serie A. But this is the, this is the thing. There's, there's, they're an old team with very little young blood kind of floating around. I mean, the new additions are all you know, Di Maria, Pogba, ages. They, they need a huge radical overhaul. As we said, the tactics are negative. They didn't start attacking until they were 4-1 down. And actually, kind of turned out that when they threw the kitchen sink at, th- at things, they could still put some pressure on the Benfica goal. But yeah, but they, they also nearly conceded. But James, they did bring on a couple of youngsters, it was, though, James. It was the particular. impressive British young player that came yep. on and turned it on for Benfica. Yeah. We're yep. not talking about an American player. We're talking about a young English player who left Chelsea to go there. And he set up two goals from coming on. Samuel Hill Jr. Yes, and there name. you go. Yeah. Yeah. Very exciting left winger who kind of turned the game. And obviously two of his crosses led to goals, which got Juve back into it. But but just big picture, though. That's what I want to get at here. With Juventus, with Allegri, with the pressure. I mean, there's a massive Juve following across the world. Everywhere you go, Juventus fans are everywhere. They cannot be happy with what they're seeing JJ from this. Even that performance today was nowhere near a Juventus performance. Nowhere near the commitment, the passion... And the dedication of what it takes to play for that 
fantastic football club. No, it wasn't. And it goes back to what we were talking about a couple of hours ago. You know, there now needs to be some accountability at Juve. I don't see how Allegri, you know, his position can be tenable for much longer. You know, we've been talking about it for weeks now. You know, is this latest negative result perhaps the last for Allegri? Is it the straw that breaks the donkey's back? I mean, you cannot really accept this kind of performance. To go into a must-win match and find yourself 4-1 down at one point, it's embarrassing. It's, you know, it doesn't honour you know, Juve's reputation as a club, uh, especially on the continental stage as well. Uh, you know, and I think the fact that they find themselves now in this domestic and continental crisis, surely the club will have to act sometime soon because it, it is unacceptable for a club of Juve's stature. And yes, it's going to be a big rebuilding job, but there are coaches out there who I think would do a better job of it than Allegri at this moment in time. Anyone in particular come to mind as to where Juventus could turn right now? Obviously, oh, this guys situation come on, let's, not, let's not play them silly games, Ian. You guys have said it a lot of times. Yeah. And uh, we know there's a guy named Pochettino that's available out there and he loves the project, loves to rebuild. This is the perfect opportunity for him. This is a match made in heaven. Historic club in the Champions League, historic Italian team and Pochettino could be the man to really turn it around to give him the, the time. What would it needed. take, though, Nigel? What would it take for a lot Pochettino of money. or whoever comes in there to actually turn this UV around and make them a threat again? A lot of money. A lot of money to pay the manager and a lot of money to recruit some good players that are good enough to really represent that club and wear the shirt with pride. But you don't even have to spend the, a lot of money. There are young, like we were saying, there are young players there. I think what you need is, is patience as well because you're going to have to wait out a lot of this squad. You're going to have to look at it and say... You know, we need to find we need to find someone that in, that can learn from Benucci and two or three years can step into his shoes and do that across the squad. Yeah. The problem is a lot of the younger players that they've invested in with a view to building for the future. I would put McKenney in this category, even though he had a good game tonight. But really, Vlavic, who came off in this game, you know, that's a huge, huge punt. Yeah. Eighty million pounds or whatever on a striker that is not of the standard. Of a frankly, of a top two team. What's gone, yeah. What's gone wrong? With he's him? the new Christoph Pieter. He, he, nothing's gone wrong. He's the same player he was at, at Fiorentina. It's just that Fiorentina he scored a lot of penalties and he scored some good goals. Oh, no, James, you can't say that. It's I mean, true. listen, he scored what twenty plus goals. About, about eight of them. About you. eight of them were penalties. It's he was. He's good. He's good, but he's not great. But the and, thing I is, mean, though, he might James, become great. But let's be real. He hasn't had the supply. He hasn't had the supply that's needed. That Juventus team is broken. It's what we're talking about. It's a big mess at that club. The result today shows that. And it's not just the result, but we've seen the performances, not just in the Champions League, but also domestically, that there is a lot of work that needs to be done at Juventus. Like also, you said, it's patience. also the atmosphere, though, atmosphere. around the team. I mean, yeah, with of that fans. being so yeah. negative, it's what? difficult to even get the best out of what is essentially still quite a talented group of players, even if not at the same level as this, some of their previous This squads. is what we, was Mark M., our colleague Marco Messina was saying, saying to us earlier. It's hard to enjoy de- defeats and disappointment when it's, when it's done in such a supplicant, negative way. You know, I mean, I, I suspect that the Juventus fans probably for a little while thought, well, at least we went down fighting today. Yeah. Even though, I mean, obviously the way they did it, slipping down to four-one is is completely unacceptable. But so many of Juventus's drop points and yeah. defeats have been a one-nil win or one-nil loss where they've they've not woken up until they've conceded. And I mean, that it's really hard to engage people on a rebuild if you're playing football no one wants to watch. I think you're also noticing that the stadium, the Allianz Stadium, mm. now there's empty seats appearing, which is 
you've never really seen that at exactly. Juventus Football Club where the empty seats are there. Uh, so there you have it there. Obviously, the other game in the group was Paris Saint-Germain. JJ getting a convincing victory over Maccabi Haifa. Seven goals to two uh, was the result there. PSG sitting comfortably at the top of the table on those 11 points right there. Good performance all around. Obviously, we were going across different games. We were trying to follow the game as much as possible. But to get Lionel Messi on the score sheet, to get Mbappe on the score sheet, to get Neymar on the score sheet, I would imagine for every PSG fan out there, this is good times right now for PSG fans. There's a lot to be looking forward to. It's Maccabi Haifa. I mean, I, mean, I think I think PSG fans will feel reassured. Uh, you know, that is the kind of performance they'd be expected to put in at home against a team like Maccabi Haifa, with all due respect to them. Uh, and as well to see the guys like Soler, uh, you know, getting a, getting a goal at the end as well. But also at the same time, there's some really interesting things to come out of this game aside from the scoreline. Maccabi Haifa go to Parc des Princes with more French players in their starting eleven than PSG themselves. And, you know, PSG concede two goals to a defender. There are still things for, for PSG to work on. I think uh, Peter Schmeichel was mentioning it earlier, how unless PSG tighten up defensively, they, they still don't stand a chance of winning the Champions League, you know, when it actually comes to sort of the crunch period uh, in the knockout phase. So I think, yeah, sure, it looked great going forward. Some phenomenal goals, some great finishes. But you'd expect that of PSG against this uh, Maccabi High facade. And I think it's a good thing for PSG that they don't go into that final game against Juve under unnecessary pressure. Uh, and they've done the job here to, to, to book their place in the knockout phase. Nigel, do you want to say it or shall I? I'll say it. Who cares about what PSG do at this stage? <laughs> I, I do it every year. They'll slap up whichever is the, the weakest team in the group. And you'll think, lads, dial it down a bit. You don't need Neymar, Mbappe and Messi to beat Maccabi Haifa. It's almost cruel to play all three of them against Maccabi Haifa. I just, I just can't, I don't, I mean, even almost even the bad bits, this team is so clearly, we, we see it in these Champions League games, is so clearly playing at 60% that I, I almost, the flip side of it, and we, Nigel and I will always say, I'm not really paying attention to anything that the attack does. But I think it also means I'm not really paying much attention to anything the defence does. Because in a game like this, it's natural to just think, uh, yeah, well, if we do anything, Messi will score another two. Have we ever seen PSG at 100% though? I mean, Paris Saint-Germain obviously have these tremendous weapons going forward. We've seen them going all guns blazing with them offensively, but defensively, has there ever been that period of time for this PSG side that they have all been just all clicking on the same I mean, cylinder? I think if you look at their run to the Champions League final mm. a couple of years ago, just at the beginning of our right. coverage, when they downed the likes of Atalanta, Red Bull, Leipzig, uh, RB Leipzig, sorry, and then uh, you know lose out to Bayern Munich very narrowly in the final. They were very close to being at 100%. They were fully focused there. I mean, if you even take it back to the game against Dortmund where they lost the first leg and won the second leg, that was a really, really focused PSG ready to deliver. And I don't think we've really seen them reach that same level since. Anything from you, Nigel, before we move on to Group E? I'm with James. I don't talk about PSG. Not interested to again and knockout stages to the face some real challenges. I have no interest in talking about PSG. You're watching House of Champions. We're at Destination <laughs> Brooklyn right now. The Paramount Plus team is just wrapping things up behind us. What an awesome Champions League day it was. There were a few surprises out there. Uh, let's turn our attention to Group E action as you enjoy alongside Nigel Rio Coker, Jonathan Johnson and James Bench. Uh, please make sure you keep your comments coming. And if you're just joining the show, if you're a new follower of the show, please make sure you like and subscribe. There's a lot of great content coming your way. Great live shows, great guests. And of course, we're all together for the first time in ever, which is pretty nice. You're a lot taller than I thought you were, JJ. Uh, you guys are all a lot better looking than I thought you'd be. <laughs> Thanks very much. You talked to Nigel there? <laughs> no, we, right. we, all, we all know how good looking Nigel is in his smoking jackets. 
<laughs> Let's get on to groupie action. Uh, yes, the earlier kickoff today saw Salzburg, who were undefeated going into this match day five against Chelsea. They got off to a great start. Mateo Kovacic with the opening goal 23 minutes into the game. But at the end of the day, it was a really good result from Chelsea. And it looked like it was a convincing victory for them as well, Nigel. I don't know if I'll call it convincing, if I'm honest. And I just still feel for me personally, there's still questions about this Chelsea team. I know Graham Potter's just got in there. He's going to have time. It's going to take time and patience for him to get it where he wants it to be. But for me, still, I'm just still not convinced. I don't know what the other guys think. It's a win that they needed. And they know they had to win this game today to get themselves into the next stages. But I wouldn't say that Chelsea are a team that I look to see go into the latter stages of this competition. I think they're pretty much getting close to their ceiling. Put their two best players in this team, though. And I think they become a lot Pulisic. better. <laughs> Sorry, today. He did. It was actually, and it wasn't one of those like. I mean, it was an amazing goal by Havertz, but it also wasn't one of those. I'd like, call it an assist. He just passed the ball no, to Hazard, he, which is before, what he's supposed to do. Before that, there was a really good dribble. He and he draws he three people. the ball to Hazard, who done the rest. Like yeah. it's not. I don't understand how that counts as but an assist. I, I think when you're sort of saying they, and and, and I agree with Nigel, they, they don't quite look there yet. I think if you added Kante to that midfield, which feels a bit like it's a bit too slow, and well, if you added Reese James on the right let's flank, let's be realistic about but I, Kante. Yes, though, with, with, we're with, never with, gonna. You know, I don't think he'll ever be back to that no. level. Not for France, not for Chelsea. No, I completely agree with that, and that is the that's the existential issue for Chelsea: is that the guy that is the cornerstone of this club, this team, is never going to play at that level again, and may well, for all we know, you know, he's not going to be back till February at the moment. We don't know how many more games he's going to play for them. Reese James balances that team out magnificently. I know we were talking about him on the preview as well, and I can't. What is it about Reese James that you love so much? I mean, we, all of our viewers out there, the Arsenal might be interested in or something. Like, what is going on? Arsenal might be interested in something. He does everything. He does his his crossing. Best right back, best right back in the Premier League. Are best gonna, right back are in the Premier League. We're going to see you dye right your hair green. I would love much. to. I'd love to. I, lo- I loved his look, his green head look. Best right back in the Premier League, but also the best attacking right back and the best defensive right back. Let us know what you think in the comments in as well Trippier. if you agree with that. Do you <laughs> think he is the best right back, Rhys James, here? Tri- Trippier has a point to prove there. Trippier's up there. Now, England is very talented with right back. You can't say a fit Carl Walker can't do the same yeah. thing as Rhys James does. Carl Walker is there as well. Head and shoulders, same height, everything. Carl I think, Walker I think the argument that the three best right backs in the world are English is, is the, I would say, the three best are English. Maybe even four, maybe put Trippier in there. I'll, I'll be careful about saying that around the world, uh, but anyway. Well, I can uh, certainly admit to you right now, after our House of Champions has already begun with some of the comments that are coming out right now. So Kovac is scoring his first competitive goal since January, opened the scoring for Chelsea. Kai Havertz rounded things off in the 64th minute. Third goal across all competitions, his first Champions League goal of this season. Uh, fantastic player, Kai Havertz, but I guess really, is Graham Potter getting the best from these players? I mean, because Graham Potter, since he's taken over, has not lost a game, nine games, 16 goals scored, five clean sheets, defensively much better, but offensively starting to get them ticking again, JJ. I wouldn't say he's necessarily getting the best out of them yet, but he's getting a reaction from them. And that's normal when a you know a new manager comes in. Everybody, especially in a squad you know full of talent like Chelsea's is, they're always going to want to show their best, show what they can do. Havertz obviously took his opportunity today with a fantastic finish. Uh, you know, But I still think that once Potter finds that combination or one of a couple of combinations that he thinks is most likely to be his strongest 11 moving forward, uh, you know, those players are going to have to show a bit of consistency. Obviously, they're not able to at the moment because he's chopping and changing so much. But when he starts, when Potter starts to find a bit of consistency with his selections, that's when the pressure is going to be on for the likes of Havertz to deliver sort of game in, game out. Yeah. And when he can do that, 
then yeah, I, I think we can then say that Potter is starting to get the best out of these players generally. Can we talk about Aubameyang? Two big misses. Yeah. Two, and, and I mean, the trade-off is, and the issue he, he was starting to have was he wasn't even getting in a position, especially in his late days at Arsenal, but even the last few weeks at Chelsea, he wasn't getting in the position to miss them, which is when you really worry, isn't it, as a striker? But he, the goals, are, it, it just doesn't feel like he's quite at the level of a Champions League winning striker when, because the point is he's not giving you anything except goals. He doesn't press. He's not a great link-up guy. You'll see the odd flick, the odd, but a lot of them don't come off. Yeah. So if you're playing a Bamiyang, he needs to be a player that whenever those chances come his way, he takes the vast majority of them. This game would have been a lot more comfortable but for Chelsea if he was putting those balls in the net. It yep. goes to say, James, it's what I've said before about Aubameyang. I don't see him as a clinical striker. I don't see him as that striker that's no, going to take your he, club He has been known, Nigel. If you think of his I, time I, at Borussia I, Dortmund, also I understand Tessian, that, he was banging in the goals. Man. I don't see Even him. at Arsenal. I, I think, I, season, but he, he was I think getting... the thing to remember about Aubameyang as well is he didn't start out as a striker. He's not always been a striker. He's been a wide player yeah. who learned how to put the ball in the back of the net, did it very effectively for a period of time. But I've never been convinced that he is a true predator in front of goal. And that's, no, that's, that's the point I would like to jump on. And I agree to that. Because again, for me, I think that there's moments when you look at the chances he had today, that should have been in the back of the net. But then you can tell a lot by a football player, by the body language and the facial expression. There doesn't seem to be that hunger and desire and that anger there that I missed that chance. I should have got my goal to be happy. It's kind of like he missed the opportunity and he was like, oh, okay. And that's what I've seen in him the whole time. Even his time at Arsenal, after he signed that big contract, he was very laid back and lethargic. He didn't really care about not scoring goals and he seemed to be okay with it. Maybe it might hurt him, but you can always tell the football player in their facial expression, everything about them, how they present themselves desire. on the pitch, you can see that desire. You can't hide that as a player. If, if something, something he, you know, I, speak, I know a lot of people who know from every side who've got to know Aubameyang well. And a lot of them would deny that, that that something went. But you could see on the pitch, something went after that Arsenal contract. And the the, the thing is, I agree with everything you've said. internationally he, awesome. Yeah. He, he used to miss loads and score loads. And I think both have gone down in quantity. And that's, you know, that is, that is the worry. You know, if you look at it from an expected goals thing, he was always at or about his expected goals. The very best strikers tend to slightly outperform. He never did, but he was getting so many shots, it wasn't an issue. He's not getting a huge number at Chelsea. And when the good ones come, he's not taking 50% of them. He's taking 25% of them. It's a worry. Well, it is a big win for Chelsea. They move up to 10 points and obviously make, some, make themselves through into the qualification to the knockouts right now. Um, let's talk about AC Milan. They got a massive victory against Dinamo Zagreb in the other game in the group. Um, it also sets up a mouth-watering match day six tie. They play Salzburg at home on match day six. Both teams sitting within a point of each other. Milan on seven, Salzburg on the six points. Um, makes it very interesting now. It makes it a fantastic watch. What a game we should be in for. I mean, we all look actually quite silly because we did say how it would be a difficult game for AC Milan, difficult place to go and get the win. And AC Milan made it look very easy and very convincing today. But that was the performance that I expected from them. You know, I backed AC Milan to get the win there today. And I'm sure a lot of you guys also did too. Um, very dominant performance. I think when you look at that performance today, it seems like they've come off the hang-up of the two performances they put back-to-back -back against Chelsea where they knew... It wasn't quite good enough. And there was, I don't know. Was it quite say, good enough? I mean, well, there was it, nowhere it was near good It was horrendous, the two performances against Chelsea. And I think this basically <laughs> lets it 
be put to bed now. Yeah. And I think for the last game against our, um, Leipzig, it's Salzburg. Oh, sorry, Salzburg, it's going to be a fascinating encounter. And I would say for me, I'll give the edge to AC Milan to get that job done. What do you guys think about Milan this season? I mean, if you think about it all along, just trying to get through to the knockout stages for Italian teams, it would be considered a success. Salzburg have made this group really interesting now, but Milan getting that massive victory today has put them right back in the hunt. And obviously they have the advantage now, James. And this was another one of those Rafael Leao games and they're becoming more frequent. What a player. I think he still has a little weight. I think one of the things you can see is all of the raw attributes are there and that this season... He, he has started to really learn how he can exploit all the qualities he has. And also, you know, the, the, the pressure, the aura of Leao. We, I mean, it was a dreadful mistake, wasn't it, for that goal he scored by the Dinamo defence. Yep. But I, I, I do wonder, he has now sort of graduated to that level where he, his presence around defenders makes them make mistakes because they are worried, they, know, they are skittish and nervous. He is coming on leaps and bounds. And it, we have to say, it's happened really quickly. Special, me special mention, though, for that opening goal as well. Fantastic delivery from Tonali. Yeah. Brilliant headed finish by, by Gabia. You know, if Milan don't score that goal and go in at the break level, you know, suddenly it could be a completely different game. They took the advantage early in the second half, getting that crucial second goal. And from there on, it was a lot easier. But I oh. still think there was a, you know, a little bit of the jitters there. But you know, JJ... Milan have always, most of the games you've seen them in, they've always had good opportunities in every game. Even Chelsea, they just haven't been clinical in certain games to take those opportunities. So I feel that that's something that they've got. You'd be more worried about Milan if they weren't getting those yeah. opportunities, if they weren't creating those good chances to get goals. But they do, and it's just some days it goes in for them and some days it doesn't. And when it does go in and everything's flowing in, they can be a very dangerous and tough team to beat. And they're 22, 23, 24. They're, they're at the age where... You have to. You are. You're going to make mistakes, and you're going to learn from them. Yeah. And we we see that. We saw how much more authoritative they were, in a, on a really tough stadium. And I think that's the thing that that inspires quite a lot of confidence in me. Equally, it does mean that when we come to look at that Salzburg game, I mean Salzburg are the same. They're 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 another team full of kids. But it's it's going to be a tough experience for Milan. It will help them that they were a team that you know that this young team closed out quite comfortably the Serie A title. And they need that mentality all over again in the San Siro. I mean, and it, it does make you really optimistic, not just for what they can do in, in the round of 16, but for what they could do if they can keep this team together in two, three, four years' time. You're watching House of Champions. We're in Brooklyn. Destination Brooklyn just took place. The Paramount Plus team was right behind us. And wow, what a show they put on today. Kate Abdo and the crew. Some awesome goals we saw. Some great results. Some interesting results as well. But if you don't want to miss another minute of the action, you can get a month free of Paramount Plus. Make sure you use the promo code UEFA22 or scan the QR code in the top corner to get your one month free. And also make sure you like and subscribe to House of Champions as well. Nigel Rio Coker. Jonathan Johnson, James Bench, myself, Ian Joy. We also have Fabrizio Romano on every single week. Michael LaHood on with us every single week. We are very active, as you can tell. We are also here in Brooklyn tomorrow, so look forward to some more action at 6 p.m. from us as well once the Paramount Plus team wraps up their post-game show. But we're going to wrap through the remainder of the action from Match Day 5 or Tuesday slates. We start off with Group F as well. Leipzig and Real Madrid. Real Madrid, obviously, a very interesting one, Jonathan. Uh, they were top of the group, just needing a point, obviously, to lock themselves up. But now it's really interesting with Leipzig now moving within a point of Real Madrid into second place, one point behind them on nine points. Big victory from Leipzig and some great goals as well. 
Big victory, absolutely. Very unexpected. But what I really want to know is how Nigel Riokoku is feeling about that after his predictions. We're seeing him slide a little bit. Well, let's, let's be real. real. I don't think table. anyone here predicted a Leipzig win against Real Madrid. I think no one predicted that, correct? Everyone went for a Real Madrid win. I don't think anyone watching or anyone in the United States or anyone in Germany or probably anyone in Leipzig predicted that Leipzig would get the victory. Exactly. So that's today. the beauty of the game that we love. And for me... It's something that someone's already said before, that Real Madrid always seem to throw one game away in the group stages. There's always a rick in Real Madrid when it comes to the group stages. And you just feel if there was more at stake, you'd probably see a lot more determined Real Madrid side. I'll probably say it's a glitch in the matrix. They are still, for me, the most talented team in this competition, where I still believe that they'll probably go on to win this competition this year and retain the title. A lot of good youngsters in this Leipzig side, but they're all getting on the score sheet early on in this game. Christopher Nkunku, someone you know very, very well. Um, he's having another phenomenal season. Uh, he just signed an extension to his contract. But what is the potential future of someone like Christopher Nkunku, who put himself into, again, the limelight by scoring another cracking goal today? Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic finishing off the bar. Uh, and obviously, we know that Nkunku is somebody coveted by many of the biggest clubs around Europe at the moment. Uh, there's a lot of noise about him potentially making a move to Chelsea at the end of this season. Nobody's kidding themselves. He will be on the move from Leipzig at the end of the campaign. But, uh, you know, I think Leipzig, you know, did the right thing in trying to convince him to stay, in increasing his, uh, his, his contract and getting him to remain you know, performing at this this high level. I mean, we've seen with the likes of uh, uh, Moussa Diaby at Le uh, Leverkusen, it's, you know, difficult to expect somebody to maintain that kind yeah. of level of performance when you don't, uh, you know, sort of give them the, the, the agreement that they're looking for. Uh, and I think Nkunku himself, in terms of his game, the, the way that he's playing, he's not quite tapped into his full potential just yet. He's getting close, yeah. don't get me wrong. But I think that extra season at uh, Leipzig, this, this campaign, uh, he's going to be a more complete player when he moves on. JJ, can I ask just a quick one. JJ, do you think that the Chelsea move will be the right move for Nkunku? Can I, can I ask a related question today? And you can, because you can probably answer them both together. Why are PSG not hammering down his door to bring him back? Why did they let him go? Yeah, and why did they let him go? Why why they let him go? I mean, you'd have to ask people at the club that because you no, could see no you could see, you could see already that there was a lot of talent in Nkunku. But he was never played in one specific fixed position. So people weren't really sure sort of what his best role was. They could see that there was attacking talent there. Sometimes he was used as like a utility man in midfield, completely miscast. And as we know now, you know, he's finally starting to, to create that, uh, find his true calling, uh, you know, and that is attracting some of the biggest clubs in Europe. Is Chelsea the right move at this moment in time? I'm not so sure. I mean, if Potter is absolutely convinced and wants to coach him, then yes, I'd be more confident in the Chelsea move. But if it's just, you know, to be part of another flurry of transfers like we saw this past summer at Chelsea, I don't think it's necessarily the best move for him. And if I was him, I'd wait and see who comes in for him. And that includes the likes of PSG, because if PSG are really willing to sort of open the door, try and bring him back, we don't know what's going to happen in the future with Lionel Messi's contract. We don't know if PSG will try and move Neymar on. We don't know if Mbappe will kick up a stink and try and move on once more. If you can have somebody like Nkunku back, you can you can genuinely build PSG's project around that. And then you don't get these embarrassing statistics thrown out like PSG playing Maccabi Haifa and still not having as many Frenchmen in their squad as that. What a fantastic take that is. Really interesting as well, obviously knowing his history, being at the club previously, now having success in the Bundesliga, the league that is giving a great opportunity to not only German youngsters, but also French and English. And you're seeing a lot of different youngsters from around the Europe all trying to get an opportunity in the continent and the world. I mean, 
Bundesliga is a great place to go for development and they're getting their opportunity to play. And including Josko Guardiola, who scored the opening goal today. The 20-year-old Croatian scored his first ever Champions League goal to open the scoring before Nkunku made it 2-0. Vinicius Jr. pulled one back just ahead of halftime. And then Timo Werner. Yeah, James, I'm coming to you. Yes. Timo Werner got his goal today. Came off the bench. Eight goals, four assists this season. Shimikan with the assist. Lovely assist as well. But Timo Werner... I think he's happy to be back in Leipzig. There's no pressure on him. He can go score goals and probably be very successful for Germany it's, in the World Cup. Well, I don't know about the World Cup because I don't, I don't think... I, I think the thing about Werner is his game perfectly suits the Bundesliga. It needs, it needs high defensive lines. When he was playing for Chelsea, how often was he coming up against a defence that was sat on the 18-yard box and he didn't have that space to accelerate into? My other pet theory is that VAR took a lot out of him because suddenly his every, you know, the, the, the moments where he looked, where he was 50-50, he used to get the benefit of the doubt. He doesn't get that anymore. But, I mean, I, I love it. I really, he wasn't good, but I really enjoyed watching <laughs> Timo Werner. I really good. enjoyed watching Timo Werner at Chelsea, even though he wasn't good, because... You enjoyed guy, watching him fail. No, the guy worked his, and, and Chelsea fans, like, yeah, he's he a was, worker. He was, he was, he was. Back don't don't at the give me that, that he worked hard because that's a basic they, requirement no, in modern day they, football. They I don't like when people say that. So, oh, he worked so a lot hard. Of players that you don't get that from, especially <laughs> at Chelsea. At Chelsea, hard work is definitely not guaranteed, and the, the fans adored him for that. And he he never stopped trying. It was a bad fit. Leipzig is a great fit, and so I'm I'm. I'm really happy for him. It's not easy to get Nigel Rio Coker to work hard on the show either. But, you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> not, I'm, not having that, I'm not having that. Oh, he works so hard. No, nope, that's what you expect. He works so hard on his wardrobe. Ah, it. <laughs> it does go. look good today. Nigel, the other game today in the group was Celtic against Shakhtar Donetsk. Mudrik on the score seat again. Six goals, seven assists for him. Giacomakis opened the scoring for Celtic. But this one really hurt your predictions, by the way. Let's, if we can, let's throw the prediction list up once again. We know Nigel's doing well here, but this one hurt you today. This one did hurt me today. I don't think anyone went for the draw. I know there's a few uh-huh. on this. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Maybe one person went for the draw. Uh, but for I me, I, I, I couldn't two, believe that. Really and truly. Here we go. Here's yeah. the predictions, Nigel. You That's can, fine. Uh, I'm still sitting top of the table. You're you bottom. Celebrate. You're looking up. How's your neck feeling looking up? Listen, I've been at the bottom the whole season. Tell the viewers once, how so. your neck is feeling looking up constantly. You know what happens when you go with your heart instead of your head? You go you, with you the Scottish be, you, teams no. who have not yet scored a goal or won a game. <laughs> and the Champions League Congratulations to Celtic for getting their first point. Well done, boys. Ian's, tap Ian's, tap yourself Ian, on the back. Ian's the castaways. Tom Hanks <laughs> yeah. shouting at Wilson. In can, the we get, can we get some, a shout-out from Poppy Miller as well, the, the oh, day's yeah. winner? She did very well today. Six a and participation two, trophy. Six and That's two for Poppy Miller today. All right, excellent results uh, going into Group F. Let's turn our attention real quickly. We've got about five minutes left. You're watching House of Champions. We are here on Destination Brooklyn. Brooklyn Bridge Park is beautiful here. The games have been awesome today. One game that was not awesome today was Borussia Dortmund against Manchester City. Mahrez missed a penalty in the 58th minute. Mahrez has missed more penalties, Nigel, than he has scored goals in the Champions League this season. Not a good result for your prediction either. It's not a great result. I don't think that anyone really predicted a draw this time. But for me, that's a disappointing result for Manchester City. Really and truly, with the quality of players they have, the talent available, they should have put that game to bed, especially Mahrez getting a penalty. We, we talk about the few chances you get at this level of competition, the Champions League, you need to take those chances. That penalty there should have been put in the back of the net and Manchester City should have got won that game comfortably. I know, obviously, the other talking point of today, there's two talking points. One, again, Jude Bellingham playing a fantastic game, shining his light, showing us and to the world why so many of the top clubs in Europe are after this young man's talent. 
he could walk into many of these top clubs that we talk about. I'm talking Real Madrid, Barcelona. That's how talented this young man is. He can just walk into these teams. And then I think the talking point of uh, JJ is Haaland being taken off. Would you like to add to that? No, I mean, obviously, uh, really, really unexpected. A lot of people trying to work out if it's injury-related or form-related trying to rest him. Pep Guardiola said after the game in an interview that he had a little fever going into the game, which is why he was taken off. Was it uh, his fever or fever? Fever! Fever! I tell you what fever it was not. It was absolutely not goal-scoring fever. (laughs) 92 minutes, 92 minutes without a goal. City in crisis. Haaland in crisis. Overrated, is that what we're saying? Expert. Look, I've always said at some stage, at some stage, he is scoring about twice as many goals as his expected goals. At some stage, he's going to... Is he not any good like Timo Werner? Is not good. At some stage, he's got to regret. Every, Every player, every player has to regress to the mean. One day, Haaland is going to regress to the mean and he's going to go seven games without a goal. No, it's never and everyone will tell you he's overrated. And oh. I'll be saying he's actually really good. Not in the Premier League. Maybe in the Champions League. <laughs> but in the Premier League, it's too easy for him. Let's turn attention to the other games. Sevilla, three. Copenhagen, nil. Yusuf on Nesri, Isco and Montiel on the score sheet today. It was the earlier kickoff today, but a real good victory. And you could see San Paoli with his passionate celebration. <laughs> JJ, Angry Santa. Watching oh. that game. It was a great game to watch. I, I knew you were going to mention that. I knew how much you loved it. I bet Isco as well, phenomenal finish. Really, really great to see him back sort of, you know, something close towards his best. Uh, you know, and I think as well, that was the answer that we were looking for in the pregame show. Do Sevilla want to be in the Europa League or do they want to concentrate on domestic uh, action? There was your answer. They want to be in the Europa League. They want to be back where they're most comfortable. Uh, you know, and I... Their I, own trophy. They, yeah, perhaps. You know, maybe their name is on the trophy once again. But I think that we will see a more competitive Sevilla after the World Cup break. Uh, you know, and one that's really pumped up to play under San Paolo. Because like you said, it's almost infectious when you watch him and you yeah. see that energy like on the, on the sideline. Yeah, it's hard not to love it. I absolutely love it. And that was Isco's first Sevilla goal, first competitive goal since January as well. I guess it's just about trying to keep him, you know, fit and keep him healthy, keep him enjoying his football more than anything else. So obviously Manchester City already qualified Borussia Dortmund with the eight points, Sevilla on five points, Copenhagen on five points right now. Um, We are about to wrap things up here on House of Champions. But before we do, uh, we got another day tomorrow, Nigel, uh, to look forward to. And I've got a little bit of an inkling that you've gone for a surprise result between Ajax and Liverpool. What, are you going to say that out right now? I thought we are going to leave that for say tomorrow. Right now. Oh, okay. Well, I'm actually going for the upset. I'm going for an Ajax win tomorrow. Madness. I re- was it mad that Liverpool lost to Nottingham Forest in the Premier League? No. <laughs> it's called football. It's a great game. I am going for the upset. I'm going for an Ajax win against Liverpool tomorrow. Liverpool still, as, as Ian loves to say about Bayern Munich, there's something not quite right about Bayern Munich. There's something not quite right there. I'm going for the same thing with Liverpool. I really don't think that this Liverpool side is back to its best or back to just a bit of stability. I think there's going to be great inconsistency there. They didn't look convincing to me. There's so much going on. The injuries are starting to weigh up as well now. I just feel that Ajax really have to have a performance of redemption for what we've seen so far. And I can see them getting a scalp against Liverpool. Anything, JJ, that catches your attention for tomorrow? Yeah, I mean, looking forward to another slate of great games and hopefully going to get some people uh, coming down, joining us early and uh, and getting involved in it. Uh, you know, Fantastic uh, experience so far today and looking forward to more of the same with you guys on Wednesday. If we're doing mad predictions, I'll, I'll follow. Oh, mad predictions, yeah. I'll follow. I mean, and mine is mad. You're an Arsenal fan. There That's mad a, enough. That's all we need to know. There is a reason. There is a reason why I I have blown my convincing lead at the top of the table, much like Mikel Arteta's team will no doubt do after the World Cup. 
Uh, and it's because of crazy things like my prediction. I just think with the with the, the Bayern Barcelona intergroup, it has been reliably mad, completely unpredictable. It has changed on a dime. And I just think there's one last bit of nonsense in this group. So I've gone. Oh, you for, can't just say that. Go on, go on. I've gone get it for, out. We're waiting. I've gone for Victoria Pilsen to hold Inter Milan to a draw. Ah, right, now you're crazy. Opening the door for Barcelona, who will then slam it shut on their own faces by losing to Bayern Munich. Listen, no. whatever you've been drinking today, stay off it, all right? Because <laughs> no, it's not happening. That's just a little inkling of what you've got to look forward to tomorrow on House of Champions. Obviously, the post-game show you can catch, same time, same place. Um, but it's been an awesome day here in Brooklyn. Destination Brooklyn took place early on. The uh, Paramount Plus team here were fantastic. Hit up on the crew, really rocking it. We had a lot of great supporters out in attendance, and the, the games didn't disappoint. There was a lot of goals, a lot of great action, a lot to look forward to tomorrow as well. But make sure... You take a minute to subscribe. I want to thank everybody for listening to House of Champions. Please make sure you take a minute to leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcast. And we are also available, unfortunately, for Nigel Rio Coker on video. So make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube as well. Thanks to everybody out there for watching today. We're in Brooklyn. We'll be back again tomorrow. Make sure you all tune in. But in the meantime, enjoy all tomorrow's action from me and the boys. Have a great night. See everybody tomorrow.